Jerome Tang sets it up, going for the line! Keontae Johnson on the receiving end! Deep on the back line, A.J. Hogarth just throws it up and he gets behind him. A couple of people said before the alley-oop to Keontae, you looked at the crowd and said, watch this. Can you can you confirm or deny that? Dang, I gotta watch what I say. I mean, so I'll be in the zone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Isaiah Thomas because um, I think he had a friend um, over there, um, and he was rooting for them. And I'm like, y'all not gonna win today. And I just kept looking at him for some, you know, added motivation. But you know, it was nothing but but cool vibes with um, them over there. To hope. My name is Scott Raines. I'm one of the pastors here. It's so good to be worshiping with you today. Uh, I was not here last week because I was there. I was at Madison Square Garden. Uh, we were there for a show choir competition. More on that later. But uh, some of us in the family love show choir, and some of us in the family, uh, Shade and like, if you're going to drag me to New York to watch show choir, can we at least do something fun? So I sacrificed. And for Christmas, we got two tickets because we weren't going to send Shaden alone. Uh, I went with him to March Madness, Sweet 16, Madison Square Garden. Uh, nobody we really had a rooting interest in was playing, so we were just hoping for a good game, and we got one. Michigan State against Kansas State. Uh, Kansas State was led by their 5-foot, 8-inch point card, uh, Marquise Noel. Uh, 5 feet, 8 inches is not tall for a college basketball player. Shortest guy on the court and by far the best player on the court. He set a record for the most assists in a tournament game. It was just an incredible game. And I don't know if you noticed, but the clip we just watched, there's a minute, less than a minute in overtime, a real pivotal part of the game. Whoever loses the game, the season is over. It looks like he's arguing with his coach, and then all of a sudden he throws up this lob and a reverse dunk, and the crowd went nuts. Shaden and I jumped to our feet. We burst into cheers. It was just awesome. A great game, the best game of March Madness. <laughs> Until Friday night. Oh, how awesome was Friday night. Uh, the Iowa women are becoming a bit of a phenomenon. I mean, uh, our church is mostly filled with Iowa State fans. And the vast majority of Iowa State fans are like, here's a team from Iowa, we're just going to jump on the bandwagon and we will ride this and we will celebrate. And it's not just Iowa, it's like national Dan Patrick on his sports talk radio show. He's been talking about Caitlin Clark for a couple of years as the best shooter in college basketball, men's or women's. And so it was awesome. They made it to the final four for the first time in 30 years, but they had to play Goliath, uh, literally, South Carolina defending national champion, hadn't lost a game all year. Players on the team were six foot seven inches tall and like athletic, unbelievable. They're coached by Don Staley, who's going to be a Hall of Fame coach. How in the world could the Hawkeye women win this game? They were 12-point underdogs. Well, let's take a look at the highlights. Cheer if you want to. And South Carolina, 36-0. The points per game margin leading Division One. You see how incredible it is as Cook hits the jumper. Saxton has the position inside, surrounded and just taken away by Sonato. Clark the get-ahead right in the lap of Warnock for two. Look at how far Caitlin Clark is playing off of Raven Johnson. Daring her to shoot from three. You see her, she's not even looking at her. She swiped away with her hand. Johnson dumps it into Cardoso. She, here is Clark off the handoff. Tried to sneak a pass inside, could not do it. 
Zaya Cook evades the foul. Cook lays it in. Zaya Cook off to a terrific start here in the semifinals. Clark will fire and hit from three. She's done the work, and Zaya Cook has been the mentally strong player here in the first quarter. Clark, great look. Sonano lays it in. Cardoso, the offensive rebound, throws it away. Marshall on the steal. Kate Martin will fire. And hit. Clark into the paint. Stops. Dishes. Warnock. Connects. South Carolina back to within two. The overpowering size and strength of South Carolina at every position. Clark has the mismatch. Oh, Caitlin Clark. Now you see her, now you don't. You would have thought that'd be a big advantage for the Hawkeyes. It has not been yet. Boston lays it in. And South Carolina back in front. A great give and go between your big 6'7 Cardoso easily passing it over to 6'5 Boston. Clark gets a clean look and knocks it down. Here's Clark. A deep one. You bet! Caitlin Clark! Martin gets it into Clark. Clark races away. And the mythical mastery of Caitlin Clark continues. Well, it was such a hard night for you that you're cramping in the celebration huddle. How did this team do it? Very few thought you could. All we did was believe in each other. You know, we might even not be the tallest. You know, we knew they were going to beat us on the glass, but all we had to do was have some heart and some belief. And, you know, we came through when we needed big plays. And I'm just so proud of this group, man. Pretty fun. Uh, all sorts of, you know, things, ideas that you could preach on from this game and from this team and from this season. I mean, Caitlin Clark is the star and gets a lot of the attention, but she's always deflecting that attention back and reminding us it's a team game. And it was the other players that got most of the steals, and it was the other players who were putting themselves in position so that she could pass them and, and make those assists. But the part that I want to focus on is how it just makes you want to burst into cheers when you're watching. My wife and I are downstairs, and every great defensive play, every great uh, assist or logo three-pointer that Clark made, we're just bursting into cheers. Uh, we were in New York City last weekend for the show choir competition. Our son, uh, Kembo, goes to Centennial High School. He's in a show choir called Spectrum, and Spectrum was performing, uh, uh, competing against a bunch of schools from all over the country. It was really great. It's his, it was his final show choir competition of his high school career. I don't think they have college show choir, so we wanted to go and, and uh, be a part of that. I remember when show choir started, eighth grade, you show up and the, the choir directors actually teach the parents how to cheer at show choir. We got a lot of show choir uh, uh, families in our congregation. They're like, this is not like going to a regular choir concert or a regular band concert where you just sit on your hands until the end and then you politely applaud. We want you to be obnoxious. We want you, anytime there's a great choreography move, anytime they hit the note just right, we want you to just burst into cheers. And so over the years, Wendy and I, my wife, we've just really loved going to these, con I mean, it's amazing the talent and how hard they work. They start rehearsing in August. They rehearse all through uh, the fall and not just Centennial, but uh, at Ankeny and the surrounding communities. So many of our, our uh, kids and families are in these show choirs. 
and J January and February, it's like every Saturday. They go to school at five in the morning. They get back at midnight doing these competitions. And it's incredible. And Wendy and I love to go and burst into cheer at show choir competitions. I tell you all of that to ask you this. What is it that makes you burst into cheers? What are the kinds of things that happen in your life that, that fill your heart to overflowing? You just can't contain it anymore. It causes you to burst into cheers. Maybe it's sports. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's relationships. Have you been around uh, parents of a newborn lately or grandparents of a newborn? That little baby basically doesn't have to do anything. My, a half of a smile and all of a sudden all the adults are like, yeah, I think she smiled. Yeah, it's the greatest thing ever. And as that child is growing up and you're helping them learn to walk when they take their first steps, you burst into cheers. When it's the potty training stage and they have a successful day, you burst into cheers. What is it? that makes you burst into cheers. Uh, today we're celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus goes to Jerusalem with his disciples to celebrate the Passover. And Jesus knows how the week is going to go. He, he knows by the end of the week, he will become the Passover lamb. The week will end with Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. But the week begins with this great celebration, this triumphal entry. The people are ready to crown Jesus as king. In Matthew's gospel, as Matthew is writing about the triumphal entry, he uses this language, the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as Jesus rode into town on a donkey. And that word uproar, the Greek word behind it, uh, we get the root word for seismic from that word. Like Matthew's trying to communicate, this is a seismic event in human history. The triumphal entry. Now, uh, there were some critics. There were some people who thought, yeah, this whole thing's a little over the top. Are you serious about the shouting Hosanna and the waving palm branches? Are you sure we should be doing that? It's, and it's, also, it's a little loud, isn't it, don't you think? And so they go to Jesus, and they ask Jesus to tell everybody, can you just take it down a notch or three? And I want us to read together how Jesus responds to his critics. It's Luke 19, verse 40 on the screen. Let's read this out loud together. If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Sometimes I go to games. Um, Carver Hawkeye Arena, really. It's never happened at Hilton, this sort of thing. At Carver Hawkeye Arena, sometimes the Hawks are playing well, and they've got a chance to win the game. And you know where there's these moments late in the game, if you could just get one stop then it's probably going to secure the victory for your team. And so in those moments, you rise to your feet to, to cheer because you can cheer more loudly when you're standing and you just want to urge your team on. You've given them everything. And at Carver, I'll get tapped on my shoulder. And the people behind me will say, we can't see. And so you have to sit down and it just kind of, it's like a wet blanket on the whole experience. That's what's happening here. The religious leaders are throwing a spiritual wet blanket on the festivities. They're squelching the spirit. Part of what Jesus is saying is, you know you can't really squelch the spirit? Even if I told everybody else to be quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers because there are some things worth getting loud about. 
There are some things worth celebrating. There are some things worth getting on your feet and standing up and cheering and waving palm branches, and that's what this week is all about. Now, let me ask you this question one more time. What makes you burst into cheers? And let me be a little more direct. When is the last time you burst into cheers for Jesus? When's the last time you burst into cheers for Jesus? There's a correlation between our willingness, our frequency, our, the freedom that we might have of bursting into cheers for Jesus. There's a correlation between that and our understanding, our believing, our trusting, our experience of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. If we're going to burst into cheers for Jesus, we really need to know and believe and understand who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. So, really all I want to do that today is challenge you, encourage you, invite you, I guess, sure, but mostly challenge you. What would it look like for you to go through this holy week? Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, or Saturday at 3 and 5 if you choose to come Saturday for Easter services. What what would it look like for you to go through this week in such a way? What would need to happen in your life this week that when you show up for Easter worship next year, you, uh, next year, let's go ahead and do it next week. Uh, when you show up for Easter worship next week, you're not going to be the wet blanket. You're not going to be the one trying to squelch the spirit. You're going to be ready to burst into cheers for Jesus. Oh, people, you're not ready. You're not ready, are you? I mean, we cheered a little bit during the Iowa women's highlights, but even then, most of us are like, I'm not sure it's okay to cheer in church. These are the words of Jesus, your Savior, whose uh, resurrection we will celebrate next weekend. If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Maybe we should just practice bursting into cheers today. I'm going to count to three, and we're going to burst into cheers for Jesus. Can you do that with me, Lutherans? One, two, three. Yeah! Jesus! Yeah! You can do it. You can do it. And permission granted, not by me, by Jesus, for you to do this when you show up for worship next week. And we're going to have hundreds of people, guests, coming to church with us. And it's going to be a Jesus party. You know what the theme is? We are the champions. We're, gonna, we're leaning into that, people. And we're going to give you all kinds of opportunity to burst into cheers. So... Be ready, and if you're not ready, just stay home and <laughs> watch the video, you know? I, let me give you a little more help on, on why we might want to burst into cheers for Jesus. Mondi, just this fancy word that means mandate or commandment. Uh, it points us to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 is uh, John's account of the Last Supper. But John 13 is bookended with love. If we're going to burst into cheers for Jesus, the starting place is love. Uh, before the Passover celebration, this is uh, John 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. So it begins with love, and we're going to see in just a second, it ends with love. So Jesus washes his disciples' feet. We'll talk more about this uh, on Thursday night at 5 o'clock and 7. 
Uh, he leads them through the Passover celebration, the Passover meal, and as he's doing this, he's reminding them the central story of the Old Testament, the Exodus, the Passover. It's all pointing to what Jesus is doing this week, this holy week. His body will be broken. His blood will be shed to win a victory over the enemy, just like God won a victory for the people of Israel over the Egyptians when the Egyptians were their enemy. God's going to win a victory over sin and death through the resurrection of Jesus. And it's going to open the door to freedom for us, just like it brought the people of Israel from bondage to freedom. And part of what's going on, Jesus says, is this is a new covenant. God's entering into a, a new arrangement, a new agreement, a new covenant between God and people. It's not like the old covenant. Uh, this is a covenant that's written in blood. It's not written on stone tablets. And this is a covenant that has commandments, and Jesus tells them, here's the commandment in the new covenant. Verse 34, it's on the screen, read it out loud with me. I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. When I ask the question, when's the last time you burst into cheers for Jesus, I'm really asking, when's the last time you recognized, realized, experienced deep in your spirit, you knew that you knew that you knew there is a God and that God loves you. When's the last time you had that experience? When's the last time grace was amazing for you? This idea that there's a God who has the power to forgive your sins and freely does that. When's the last time that swept you off your feet? It happens to people in the Bible all the time. Uh, they have this experience of God's love. They have this experience of amazing grace. I was listening to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast this week. Uh, Pastor Mike does a, a podcast every Wednesday at noon. It, it's live, but then it gets archived, and you can listen to it whenever you want. And so his co-host Emily Langpaul is on there, and this week his two guests were Mark Brandt, who's the uh, digital outreach minister for Hope, and our very own Eli Sudarth, one of our ministers here. And they're talking through the sections of the Bible that we've been reading this week. First uh, Samuel and Luke, again, our theme this year, our hope, our goal is to read through the whole Holy Bible together. So we were in First Samuel and Luke this week. And there were two characters in particular uh, that they were talking about who have this experience, this encounter with God's love and God's grace. The first one is Hannah. Hannah shows up in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and she's going through a very difficult season in her life. Have you ever gone through a difficult season in your life? A season in your life where you are crying out to God for help, where you are praying and praying and praying, and there is no answer to your prayer? That's where Hannah is. Now, eventually, God answers Hannah's prayer, and when that happens, Hannah bursts into cheers. Now, she bursts into cheers by singing a song of praise that gets recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 2. Let's read together just part of it. It's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. My heart rejoices in the Lord. I rejoice because you rescued me. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. When, when Hannah has this experience, this moment, uh, her eyes are open. She recognizes the good thing that's happening in her life is because of the goodness of God. 
and the unfailing love of God. And so her heart opens up. Her heart bursts into this song of praise. She bursts into cheers. It occurs to me, one of the ways we can tell that we are growing in our faith, we are maturing in our faith, is that we have these kinds of experiences more and more frequently all the time. As we are living through just kind of the everyday, ordinary, mundane moments of our lives, we have this experience of God opening our eyes, and in, in this moment we recognize God is meeting us here. So pay attention to that this week. So in your interactions with people at home, at school, at work, just pay attention. Are, are there these moments where something happens, a connection happens with the, a person in your life, but you recognize this good thing is happening because of the goodness of God? Maybe you're watching a sunrise or a, a sunset. Maybe you're listening to a song that you love or uh, laughing with friends or watching a really good movie and somehow in that moment there's this recognition, this understanding that causes you to rejoice on the inside that the transcendent, eternal, completely holy and other God of the universe is somehow meeting me, connecting with me in this moment because God is good and God's unfailing love for you endures forever. Hannah has this kind of experience and she bursts into cheers. The other character they were talking about in the Pastor Mike Drop podcast uh, is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus shows up in Luke chapter 19, the same chapter that we get uh, Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry. It begins, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he goes through Jericho on his way, and that's where Zacchaeus is, a wealthy tax collector in Jericho. And he's become wealthy by asking the people to pay a whole lot more than what they are supposed to be paying for taxes. Do you remember what we were complaining about in January and February? The price of eggs. And, and there were all kinds of memes that were popping up, like it was Valentine's Day and people were saying, uh, get her something expensive. And there's a guy handing a carton of eggs to his girlfriend or his wife or whatever. Uh, this week there were news stories the uh, egg producers in this company were reporting uh, their profits from last quarter. Uh, one of America's largest egg producers, they recorded profits of 718% uh, last quarter. It, it higher, 718% higher than a year ago. 2,000% higher than two years ago. And in January and February, we're all like, why are eggs costing so much? Is it supply and demand? Uh, maybe. Is it inflation? Maybe. Is it greed? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. In general, people don't like it when a few people become really wealthy by asking a whole bunch of people to pay more than they should or more than they can afford. And it turns out God doesn't like that either. One of the things that's going on in the Old Testament that causes God to bring judgment on the people of Israel is this kind of thing. You know, Palm Sunday, a triumphal entry. We're going to crown Jesus as the king. Remember, Jesus would be a very different kind of king than any other earthly king has ever been. And so part of the judgment of, of God, spoken through the prophets, spelled differently, prophet, prophet, uh, part of the judgment of God through the prophet Jeremiah is on the kings sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. And God says this, but you... You have eyes only for greed and dishonesty. You murder the innocent. You oppress the poor. 
you reign ruthlessly. Listen, we live in a capitalistic society, and I think most of us are pretty glad for that. There's a lot of really good things about capitalism. There's a lot of doors that capitalism can open for a lot of people. And let's be honest, there's a temptation for us living in a capitalistic society. And the temptation is to buy into the myth of more. When we buy into the myth of more, it kind of looks like this. Hey, let's set our goals for our business this year. Uh, what kind of uh, profits do we want this year? How about we're, I don't know, 10% more than last year? How about 20%? Okay, but it's never enough, is it? I have friends who are in sales. They, they never tell me, my boss came to me this year and said, we made enough last year, we're not going to raise your quota. It's always going up. It's never enough. It's always more, more, more. So when we buy into the myth of more, it leads to, what the Bible tells us, it leads to sin, greed, uh, unjust treatment of people, particularly the poor. So down comes the judgment of God for this kind of thing in the Old Testament. Through the prophet Amos, God says, you trample the poor, stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, though you build beautiful stone houses, you will never live in them. Part of the reason I tell you all of that is to say the kind of activity that leads to God's judgment in the Old Testament is the kind of activity Zacchaeus is engaged in. In Luke chapter 19. So Zacchaeus is a despised man in his community. Nobody likes him. They don't like it when Zacchaeus comes around because Zacchaeus is living in luxury at their expense. And so they probably don't call Zacchaeus by name. They probably have all kinds of names for Zacchaeus, just not his real name. And you, knowing what you know about God, you might anticipate that God's going to bring judgment to Zacchaeus, just like God brought judgment to the people of Israel because of Zacchaeus' greed and dishonesty and unjust mistreatment of people. But a funny thing happens on the way to judgment. Before judgment comes to town, Jesus comes to town. And Zacchaeus hears that Jesus is coming to town and Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, which is interesting, isn't it? The way the Bible describes Zacchaeus, despised, nobody likes him, he's kind of an outcast, he's a notorious sinner, Luke tells us. Isn't it interesting that someone like Zacchaeus, when he hears Jesus is coming to town, Zacchaeus wants to get close. Because there's something about Jesus there has always been something about Jesus that connects with those parts of ourselves that we think are unlovable, irredeemable. The parts of ourselves that when we're sitting in church and we're hearing the pastor talk about God's love for you, God's grace for you, the parts of us that say, yeah, not for me. But that's precisely the place where Jesus meets us and Jesus changes us. Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus, but he can't see over the crowd, so he climbs up in a tree. And when Jesus comes by and sees a full-grown man climbing up in a tree, here's what Jesus does, verse 5. He looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus. It makes me wonder, when's the last time anyone 
called Zacchaeus by his real name. It makes me wonder, how does Jesus know to call Zacchaeus by name? Zacchaeus, come down. I must be a guest at your house today. And as Luke tells the story, it's very clear. In these moments, Zacchaeus is bursting into cheers. He, he takes Jesus to his home, and Zacchaeus is filled with great joy and excitement. Now, there are other people, Luke tells us, who are uh, wet blankets. They're mad. They can't believe that Jesus is hanging out with Zacchaeus. Doesn't Jesus know who Zacchaeus is? Why isn't Jesus bringing judgment to Zacchaeus? Why is Jesus being so kind to Zacchaeus? I always say my favorite verse is John chapter 10, verse 10. It's where Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Uh, closing in on that verse, maybe going to overtake it one of these months, is another verse. It's quickly becoming one of my favorite verses. Romans chapter 2, verse 4. It's on the screen Let's read this out loud together. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Before judgment comes to town, Jesus comes to town. We see it in Zacchaeus' story in Luke 19. You see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient Jesus is being with Zacchaeus? Do you see that the kindness of Jesus is intended to turn Zacchaeus from his sin, which is exactly what happens? Zacchaeus says, I'm going to give away half of my wealth. I'm going to give it to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody on taxes, I'm going to pay them back four times what I've taken from them. He bursts into cheers when he experiences God's amazing grace in his life, and it changes him. It changes his activity. It changes the direction of his life. It happens for Hannah. It happens for Zacchaeus. When has it happened in your life? Do you remember? Do you remember what it's like to know in these moments when you feel broken and lost, to know that God still loves you? To know that grace is for you? That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you to help you live a completely different kind of life? It's becoming a tradition in our family. We've done it five or six years in a row now. Uh, in the wintertime, we go to uh, Omaha for a day. And we go to a little theater on the west side of Omaha that is showing all the Oscar-nominated short films. Uh, the, the movie that won the Academy Award for Best Animated Short this year is a movie called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse based on a book by Charlie Mackesy. Uh, Charlie Mackesy is an artist in England, and for several years on his Instagram feed, he will just make these black and white sketches, really simple sketches, uh, often about a boy or a mole or a fox or a horse, and then he'll just add a little uh, thought to it. And depending on your mood, when you read the thought, you might think, eh, it's just a little too saccharine for me, a little too sweet, a little... Or sometimes you read it and you just burst into tears because it's just what you needed to hear. So like this one in the middle, he says, what is the bravest thing you've ever said? Asked the boy. Help, said the horse. So he posts stuff like this on his Instagram feed. Somebody came to him several years ago. Why don't you take all these posts and compile it into a book? So he did. He became a bestseller. 51 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers list. Uh, sold over 2 million copies worldwide. 
When the COVID pandemic hit, somebody came to him and said, can we work with you to turn this into a movie? And so for two or three years, they worked on how do we make the animation look kind of like the sketches that, that Charlie draws. Uh, the movie was completed uh, last year. The first showing of it was on uh, the BBC on Christmas Eve because it's a story about love, because it's a story about grace. I want you to watch just a short little clip from this film, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Take a look. How fast can you run? Well, I wouldn't say I was a natural athlete, but I did once win a digging competition. I don't mean you. Oh, I see. Well, I... Oh, oh God! for a reason and they're your strength not weakness I think you believe in me more than I do you'll catch up life is difficult but you are loved Life is difficult, but you are loved. I think Hannah would agree with that sentiment. And I think Zacchaeus would agree with that sentiment. I don't know what difficulties you're going through as you come for worship today, but I wonder if you agree with this sentiment. Life is difficult, but you are loved. And you are loved by a God who shows up. A God who shows up because God hears your brave cry for help. And God comes to show you love. God comes to show you grace. God comes to show you a kindness that is intended to turn you from your sin, to turn you from the activities and behaviors and destructive thought patterns that are keeping you from the fullness of life that God has for you. God comes to show you a new way, a better way. Life is difficult, but you are loved. It comes right from the pages of Scripture. I want to read for you a little bit of Isaiah 43. And you'll be hearing my voice, but I want to ask you to believe that this is the word of the Lord to you. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. 
O Israel, the one who formed you says, do not be afraid. I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. A couple verses later, God says, you are precious to me. You are honored. And I love you. Life is difficult, but you are loved. And God shows up to rescue and to deliver and to save. And my prayer for you, my hope for you this holy week is that you would experience that again or you would experience that maybe for the first time so that when you come to Easter worship next weekend, you'll be ready to burst into cheers because you remember who God is and what God has done for you. I was sitting in that theater in Omaha and I mean, what you just watched, it's like there's no real plot to this film. It's just like one little vignette after another with these characters. And as they were talking to one another, I kept, this sounds like scripture to me. This sounds like scripture to me. And it turns out, it sounds like scripture because it's inspired by Charlie Mackesy's faith in Jesus Christ. He's kind of got an interesting story. Uh, most of his life, he was an atheist. And then Jesus came to town. And he became a believer in who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. He experienced uh, the love and the grace that, that Jesus freely gives. It changed his life. Uh, I told you he lives in England on the south side of London, and so he started going to church. And the church he goes to is called Holy Trinity Brompton. That's where the Alpha Course started. The Alpha Course that a lot of people have taken at Hope that's been helpful to so many people here, but also all, all around the world. It was pastored for many years by a man named uh, Nicky Gumbel. And Nicky Gumbel says, Charlie Mackesy's the best evangelist in England today. Because he has a, the ability to talk to people outside of the church in a way that helps connect them to God's love and grace. So sometimes they ask Charlie, can you give the Alpha Talk this week? And sometimes they ask Charlie, uh, can you preach this week? So here's a story that Charlie tells in one of his sermons. And I hope that as you listen to this story, it'll make you ready to burst into cheers. Take a look. And the last story I'll tell you is about a friend of mine who is a prison, not a prison, he's a, a hospital chaplain. And he goes around, you know, chatting to people who are, who are in hospital beds. And there was one guy who was in for a long time, and he said every time he walked past the bed, the guy would be in bed, and he'd just do that, that, at the, the vicar as he went past. Every time. Wee. Wee. Oh, there he is. All the time. So he'd go in there, and he got used to it. He just got used to that. So every time he, he usually didn't, but he just smile and expect that. And then one particular day he walked past, and there was no that. He was just lying there. And as he was walking past, he said, Oi. And my friend looked at him and said, Yes. And he said, Can I have a word? He said, Sure. He said, All right, I, I'm not being rude and everything, but you know, um, I would just love to chat to you about what, you know, why you wear that white thing, what you believe. He said, sure, you know, what, what, what would you like to know? He said, well, come on then, tell me. So he told him, he told him about Jesus, he told him about grace, about forgiveness, about the love of God, about the relationship you can have with him, all the basic things, and that you can pray to him. And he said, well, how do you pray then? He said, well, it's pretty simple, actually. He said, well, how do you pray then? And he said, well, and he got off his chair, 
and said, okay, that's your bed, there you are, there's a chair. Now you just imagine that Jesus is sitting in this chair and he's, he's just loving you permanently. He knows you. And you can talk to him, so you can just say what you like. He said, so what would you say? And he said, I'd probably say that I'm pretty scared. Well, you can tell him that. Very fragile man. And he said, well, what else would you say? that I've effed up my life and I'm sorry. Great, that's honest. What else would you say to know? Well, you can be in silence, but just remember he's there. Just keep talking, keep talking. You can listen if you like, but just keep talking. Remember that you're loved. Remember that he died for you. Remember that you're free. Basic stuff. So he said, thanks. I can see why you're a vicar, sounds good. And then he, my friend got up and left. He was there a few days later, walked past the bed, empty. Spoke to the nurses, where is he? have you moved him to another ward? No, I'm afraid the nurse, staff nurse said, no, I'm afraid he died actually two days after you were last here. And he went, oh, okay. And um, he said, that's a shame. And she said, yeah, but you know, when he left the last time, he was all really, <laughs> he was kind of bouncy in bed and kept telling us what you told him about the chair and this Jesus thing. And uh, he said, oh, that's good. And she said, he said, yeah, he was like really overwhelmingly pleased about it all. Um, and he said, good. And, and then he got a bit sort of, you know, so he started walking off. And the, the staff nurse said, oh, by the way, one other thing before um, you go, you, you should probably know, and it's a bit strange to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, that when we found him in the morning after he died, he was found leaning out of his bed, his hips were on the bed, and his chest was on the, he pulled the chair, to, his chest was on the chair and his arms were wrapped around the back of the chair. And he died like that. And of course, my friend just started weeping. Because um, he, he'd realized that this guy, he, he'd understood the whole thing. He got it completely in a nutshell. The thing we struggle with all our lives, he'd understood that he was loved. The reason why he exists was because it was to love and be loved. And that he could rest his whole weight and his fragility on this Jesus because you can put your burden on him. And he will sustain you because he loves you that's what I want for you I just want you to get it not overcomplicate it but just get the basics Christianity in a nutshell there's a God who loves you and wants to pour his love into you so that that love will pour out of you and fill the rest of the world